you get your Bibles out this morning, turn with us to the book of Psalms, chapter 30, verse number 5. Psalms, chapter 30, verse number 5. Hallelujah. I've been preaching, this will be the sixth message that I preached this week, and I preached last week at youth camp, and we've seen 32 young people give their heart to the Lord in a series of times and days. Three baptized in the Holy Ghost, many with uh, chains of deliverance, that, that uh, chains of bondage that fell off of them into deliverance, and I'm thankful for it. And uh, Ryland got to go with us last week at youth camp, and I'm thankful Ryland came home changed. Uh, that God touched him. And he has the testimony. And, uh, if, he, if you see him with that goofy shirt on, that's because he made that at youth camp. <laughs> we had a basketball tournament, and Ryland become part of the halftime show. <laughs> I've got video proof. If you want to see it after church, I'll share it with you. Amen. But I'm thankful for what the Lord has done. Amen. We continue to remember our pastors. Amen. As they are... Are, are ending their sabbatical, and we're excited for them to get back. But this morning, uh, I want to bring to you what the Lord has brought me. Come on. Psalms chapter 30, verse number 5, if you found it, say, Amen. Amen. For his anger endureth but a moment, in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Hallelujah. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. I want to read one more scripture to you in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, verse number 25. Acts 16, verse 25. And at midnight. Somebody say midnight. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Amen. I'm wondering if your praise is loud enough for somebody to hear you today. Amen. Amen. They're going to bless the shofar as they do. I want you to give God the biggest shout of praise you've given him all morning. Come on. about a midnight hour praise for just a few minutes this morning. A few Thursday nights ago, pastor began to preach on the night seasons. If you did not get a chance to listen to that message, I would highly encourage you to go back on the, on the app. If you don't have the app, I would encourage you to download that first. But go back on the app and listen to the message that Pastor Jeff preached a few Thursday nights ago about the night seasons and how many can concur that not only our pastor but several of us here at Judah Tabernacle have been in what we like to call a night season. I can testify as well that we have been in that night season. As I begin to ponder on what the Lord would have me bring this morning, 
God laid this into my spirit, this story that I read to you. We've heard it preached all the time. If you've been in church any length of time, you know the story that I'm getting ready to preach to you. But I've come to remind you that even though you may feel like you're in the night season, God is still in control. He's never lost control. He's never been caught off guard. But he knows exactly what he's doing. If he can tell the sun to shine during the day and the moon to shine at night and the stars shine at command. If he can engrave our name in the palm of his hand. If he can cause the waves to come so close to the shore. If the Bible says if he can dress the lilies. If he can look at the sparrow and if the sparrow falls he takes notice. How much more does God pay attention to those the righteous cry and the Lord hears them. The Bible said his eyes are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their cries. Look at somebody and say, he hears you. This midnight, the word midnight in Hebrew means the middle of the night, deeper extended darkness or gloominess. It's where no sunlight is visible. It's a state of being dreary. It's a state of inactivity. You feel like nothing's happening. You still pray, but you feel like nothing's happening. You still come to church, but you feel like nothing's happening. You still worship, but you feel like nothing's happening. You fast, but you don't see the results in it yet. You feel that adversity. You feel that dustness. You you feel that, that, that covering of gloominess and darkness. And, and it's, it's at that night time where you feel like you're in your greatest battle or hardship. You feel like the warfare has intensified. You feel like it's so dark that you can't even see one foot in front of the other. You don't know what direction you're going. You don't know how you're going to get there. But all you know is I've got to keep on going and I cannot stop. It's in the moment where everything remains silent. Where it feels like the heavens are shut up. And when you pray, you don't get the answers that you're looking for. But you keep on praying even though there's silence. It's a time where you feel vulnerable because you're open to thievery. It's a time where you feel like God is farther from you than closer to you. It's a time where you feel like nothing is going anywhere. Things are falling apart. And here's the thing, and, and I love what Pastor preached, that it's a, it's a season where God is just trying to help us reflect more of who He is, that we may decrease and that He may increase. But most folk, when going through a midnight hour season, they tend to run from God. But I've come to tell somebody that if you're in a hardship this morning, if you're in a night season this morning, if you feel like things are just not going the way that you want it to go. Don't run from God, but run to God. Because the Bible says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We may feel like He's farther than He's ever been, but rest assured that the God that created the heavens and the earth is still in control. He is still sovereign. Job told us in Job 30 and 17 that my bones are piercing me in the night season and my sinews take no rest. David said in Psalms 22 that in the night season I am not silent. In Psalm 104 and 20, 
David said, Thou makest darkness, and in the night season it's where all of the beasts of the forest do creep. It's in the night season. Psalm 6 at 16 and 7. But David said, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reigns also instruct me in my night season. Anybody this morning feel like you're in a midnight hour? Anybody feel like you're in this season where if one more thing happens, uh -huh, if one more thing happens, but even though it feels like the darkest point of your entire being, rest assured, the one who spoke the night into existence can take care of you in the night season. God works his best. God speaks the loudest. He is his greatest. Where we are weak, he is strong. And it is in those night hours that God does more than what we can even intend on him to do or anticipate. When you talk about a night season and you talk about the two gentlemen that I read to you about, if anybody knew what it was like to be in a night season, Paul and Silas knew because they were in prison for something that really wasn't their fault. The Bible says in the 16th chapter of Acts that Paul and Silas simply went to preach the good news of Jesus. There was a young lady that was full of the spirit of divination. She was a seer. She was a fortune teller. And the Bible said that the men, amen, that owned her made money off of her. Made money off of what she was able to do and how she was able to see into the future. And the Bible says that Paul got enough of it. Because she would go behind them and she would say, look, and I'm giving you Matthew Leslie's commentary. She would say, look at these mighty men of God. How glorious is the Lord that they serve. And she was just loud. She was boisterous. And she just kept causing chaos. Finally, Paul got enough of that demonic spirit. And he looked at it and commanded it to go in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we just got to get sick and tired of getting sick and tired. And realize we've got authority to tell the enemy he's got to hush. Uh-huh. I don't know who that's for, but you need to just tell the devil to back up and hush. Not today, Satan. I'm not going to listen to it today. I don't have time for it today. I may be in my ninth season, but I want to keep my ears open because rest assured there's a word that's coming my way. Rest assured there's a promise that is on the way. And if I'm distracted by what you're saying, then I'm not going to hear what heaven's getting ready to say. Who am I preaching to today? Hallelujah. So here's the problem. They started preaching, casting out demons, and they got thrown in prison for it. Wouldn't we still operate and do what God's called us to do, even if it costs our life? Wouldn't we still flow in a ministry of deliverance, even if it costs our freedom? Would we still preach the gospel even though it's not popular? Would we still do what God's called us to do even if it goes against the grain of society? I wonder how many people would still claim that they are called and anointed when their life was on the line. 
something to think about. Because either we're sold out or we're not. Uh-huh. I'm talking to myself too. What would I do if this morning when I left this place that because of what I preached could cause me to be incarcerated? Because it's not what society has deemed right. Would I still continue to preach even though I'm in chains? Hallelujah. I believe there's some people this morning in Judah Tabernacle that would still declare the gospel even though. I said even though. So here's what happened. Paul and Silas. Come here, Paul. I'm not going to. You're going to be all right. Paul. Yeah, you knew I was coming, didn't you? He had discernment. <laughs> Connor knows me. Connor traveled with me for six years. He knows me. Paul and Silas. Now listen, you've got to understand something. The Bible said that they were bound in chains. Mm -hmm. Not only were they bound in chains, but the Bible says that they were beaten. They were scourged. Let me remind you that when you look at scourging, scourging under Roman law was the most brutal and cruel punishment that could ever be done. Do you know that there were men who died during scourging? Jesus was scourged on your behalf and on mine. Mm -hmm. they, the Bible tells us that they laid many stripes on them. They wanted one, two, one or two lips saying, there you go. But the Bible said many stripes were laid on them. Which means they were probably bruised. They probably had welts or cuts all over them. They probably, amen, were tired. They were dirty. They were bleeding. They were in, amen, in chains. And now they're getting ready to be thrown into the inner prison. And the inner prison was not a prison of luxury. They didn't get clothing, three square meals a day, and entertainment. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be political, I'm just telling you the truth. Their prison, they were thrown into an inner chamber. Maybe, I, this is not Bible, this is just my imagination running. Maybe, it wasn't luxurious, but maybe they felt the sewage of the town run down to where they were. Right, yeah. They probably had creepy crawly critters in there with them. All kind of rodents, all kind of bugs, all kind of worms. Ugh. They're tired, they're fatigued, they're in prison for something that they did not have any business to be in prison for. They did not do anything wrong. They were beaten with many stripes. They're bleeding. They're bruised. They probably couldn't even hardly function. And the Bible said that their legs were in socks and that they were thrown in an inner prison. Do me a favor. Just lay on your back. Can you do that? Amen. You and Paul and Silas. Amen. Lay on your back. Amen. One beside the other. If you can. I work with me, Connor. This is how they were changed. 
They were not cuffed in their hands and their ankles, but they were chained and they were laying prostrate on the floor. Their, their legs were in shackles and their legs were stretched. They were not comfortable. Rest assured, if you lay on this concrete floor that's got a little bit of carpet on it for any length of time and you're there and you're restricted in your movement, it's not going to feel good after a while. You're going to start getting muscle spasms. Charlie the horse is going to come and start visiting you. Mm -hmm. It's not going to feel as pleasant and as nice if you were laying in a luxurious bed. This is where Paul and Silas were. Now, if it had been me, if it had been me that had been thrown in prison for doing something that the Lord had called me to do, I would have to keep my attitude in check. Because if we know where it's going to take us to, would we have signed up on the dotted line? Furthermore, Paul had the commission. Could you imagine what Silas felt like being Paul's and partner? He probably thought to himself, I did not sign up for this. If I knew that following Paul would cause me to be thrown into prison, I probably would have resigned a long time ago. I've come to tell you that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord will deliver them out of them all. And that even though we face what we face, it's going to be worth it at the end. Hallelujah. Weeping endureth for the night. Weeping is just for the season. But as sure as night comes, there is a morning that is on the way. For somebody in this house of worship. Hang with me for a minute. I won't keep you long. Hallelujah. And there they are, beaten, bruised, bloodied, probably going through muscle spasms, probably not feeling too hot. And then they come up with this idea that they want to have revival. Yes, sir, they did. Amen. Hang with me, brothers. I'll get you up in just a second. You're about to get delivered out of your prison. <laughs> Hallelujah. At midnight, at the darkest point, at the darkest point of the night, they look at each other and they say, you feel like singing? Yeah. How many can honestly say that right now in your night season, you really feel like singing? How many can honestly say right now in your night season that you honestly feel like raising your hands? How many, amen, can honestly say that in your night season, you find, when I move my body, when I move my feet, when I open my, uh-uh. You may see them doing that here, but you don't feel like doing it. But in the most opportune moment where they had all rights to complain, they had all rights to be hateful, they had all rights to have anger, they had all rights to look at God and say, I think you've messed up. This is not what I signed up for. They begin to say, in the midst of my prison, in the midst of my cell, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm going to sing praises to God because he ain't never done me nothing but good. I may not understand why I'm here. I may not understand why he brought me here. 
here. But I'm going to praise him regardless. Let me remind you that if you praise him, everything's going great. That's wonderful. But if you praise him in the midst of prison, that's a sacrifice. When you praise him, when your family's a wreck, that's a sacrifice. When you praise him while your children's addicted, that's a sacrifice. If you praise him while your marriage is in shambles, that's a sacrifice. If you praise him when you got the diagnosis you weren't looking for and you begin to praise him, that's the sacrifice. And when you give him a sacrifice to praise, he'll receive it. Come to say, is there anybody in Judah that feels like praising him despite what you're facing? Anybody in the ninth season that says, I'm tired of being silent. I'm tired of sitting back. I'm tired of letting the season control me. I'm getting ready to take the season. And they started singing praises. Uh-huh. Their muscles and their legs were constricted, causing severe pain. They were bleeding. They were bruised. They were in prison. Uh-huh. Well, bless him, Lord. That's all right, brother. Praise him. You got a right to praise him today. <laughs> you say, why? Well, if he feels like getting out of the seat praising him, I say, go ahead. It can, you know, it can probably do some of us good to get out of our seat and praise him once in a while. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a midnight hour praise. Bible suggests that they didn't ask for permission. They didn't need a confirmation. They didn't need a word of knowledge. They need to look and say, is it okay? But the Bible said they burst out and random songs and praises. You want to make the devil nervous? Just burst out and praise. I think I got her now. I think I got Carol now. And all of a sudden, Carol goes, hallelujah. The devil says, wait a minute. I didn't expect that to happen. I think I got Sharon now. And Sharon goes, hallelujah. And he says, I didn't expect that to happen. Do you think the devil expected them to sing praises in the midst of their prison? No. Now, they didn't have worship like we have. I'm just, can I just be real? They didn't have the songs of worship that we have. This is going to date myself. But when I was growing up, we had what was called the Red Bat Hymnal. Anybody grew up in that kind of church? They didn't have I'll Fly Away. He set me free. A little talk with Jesus will get me out of here. Uh-uh. They didn't have a playbook, a blue book. They didn't have, amen, the lyrics. What did they have? The Word. Paul was a scholar. He knew the Word. They had the book of Saul. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to preach it the way I see it. Is that all right? They had the book of Psalm. Here's the way I see it. I believe Paul said, you know what? Let's start singing. And I believe Paul said, wait a minute. Let me start out with the verse. Psalms 34 and 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth them, and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Silas says, well, let me put another verse on that. Psalms 107 and 6. 
Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of all of their distress. Paul says, let me add another one. Psalm 50 and 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou glorify me. Silas said, let me end it with this. Psalms 34 and 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from out of all of my fears. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise for his word today. When they begin to proclaim the word, they caught heaven's attention. And when they caught heaven's attention, listen, the Bible says, they sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. They were not in prison with people, amen, who had it all together. But they were in prison with the most vilest of criminals, murderers. Amen. Thieves. Amen. People who've done all kinds of ungodly acts, but they didn't care. I'm wondering if there's anybody that says, I've got to praise and I don't care who hears it. I've got to worship and I don't care who hears it. My home might be in a wreck, but I'm going home today praising. Things may be falling apart, but I'm going to home praising. Things may not be the way that I want them to be, but I'm going home with a praise. Listen, if I need God to move in my house, when my hand gets on my front doorknob, I'm going to open it up and say, Hallelujah, the Lord heard me this morning, and He delivered me out of all my fears. I'm going to give Him a midnight hour of praise. You see, a midnight hour of praise is a praise that's not easily to come by. Because circumstances are not Amen. King, for you to just give God praise. You feel like you're in prison. You feel like you've been beaten. You've been ran through the mill. You're in shackles. Uh -huh. Come on, somebody. When they begin to sing praises to God, and God heard it, how did heaven respond? The Bible said, here's the problem. The devil made a mistake. The devil made one mistake. You say, what is it, brother? I'm getting ready to tell you. He put those two boys in the same prison cell. Because one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. And when my praise comes in unity with your praise, and when I don't feel like praising him, but you begin to praise him, and I praise him with you. It'll cost him time. They may come in one way, but Deuteronomy says they're fleeing seven ways. I'm looking for somebody that's got a praise this morning that will cause another person to lock hands with you. Because if God can get me out, he can bring you out too. If God can heal my body, he can heal your body too. Look at somebody and say, don't make me praise him by myself. If I've got to, I will. But listen, here's what I've learned. I, I don't have much rhythm at all, but I like to have fun. But here's what I've learned. Dancing's fun by yourself. But when you put two or three people that want to have a good time and they dance with you, it makes it a whole lot more funner. 
I love to praise God by myself. He deserves it. But when you give me two or three saints that'll join me in unity and praise, it causes something to happen. Look at Psalms chapter 22. See a connection? Amen. Colors, amen. Psalms 22 and 3, colors. Devotion. Psalms 22 and 3, but thou art holy. Thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Thou that inhabits. That means to come down. That means to settle. That means to sit down. Uh -huh. What he's saying is, you inhabit the hymns. You inhabit those, amen, those celebrations. Uh -huh. You come down, you sit down, you dwell, you remain, and you settle. What happened? When Paul and Silas began to sing praises to God and heaven heard it, God said, my word says that when you praise me, I've got an obligation. What's that obligation? I've got to respond. I've got to come down to where you are. And what happened? The heavenly father heard the praises of Paul and Silas. And he came down to where they are. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When God came into that prison cell, evidence took place. The Bible said that prison cell began to shake. Uh -huh. The Bible said that those fans came off of them. <laughs> Are you alright? You're about to get free. I believe they stood to their feet. Uh huh. As that earthquake came, the Bible said that when God came in the place that not only their bands fell, but everybody else that was in the house. Here's the revelation. You say, well, my individual praise don't mean anything. It's not going to make a difference. I beg to differ with you, my brother and sister in the Lord. If you'll praise God in this atmosphere, God is liable not to just loose your chains, but he's liable to loose the chains of your neighbor. He's like, listen, somebody probably came in here today and they need a touch from the Lord. How do you not know that your praise is going to activate their deliverance? What if Paul said, I feel like singing praises, and Silas said, I don't think so. Right. 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 I don't think so, Pastor. Uh-uh. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. When did God ever ask us how we felt? When did, I'm not being ugly or, or a smart aleck or anything, but when did God ever, amen, give us a survey before we walked in and said, do you feel like praising me today? See, that's why you got to praise him despite what you feel. Yes. You don't praise him on what you feel. You don't praise him on what it looks like. You don't praise him on what it sounds like. You don't even praise him for the reaction. But you praise him on what you know. And if my praise holds the power to loose my chains, my praise can also hold the power to loose the chains off of my family. 
My praise can also have the power to loose the chains off of my brother or my sister. My chains can also have my praise can also have the power to loose the chains off of my co-workers. If my lost husband or wife is at home, I'm not gonna sit back in silence, but I'm gonna praise the Lord. Because he is coming. Listen, do you understand what happens when you begin to give God praise in your house and your family's not saved? You give an open invitation for heaven to come into your house and the glory of God to settle. And when the glory of God settles in your house, those demonic spirits that hold your family in captivity have to recognize that the God of all creation has stepped in the room and where God is. Ryland is a witness. There was a young man, several, but there was a young man that came to youth camp last week. I just feel like sharing this. Who came to youth camp last week? He's friends with the, the directors, the pastors in Orwood. And the pastor's son texted him and said, I want you to come to youth camp. Ryland hung out with him most of the week. Nice young man. Good young man. Monday, he, at the last minute, he said, I'll go. I walked on the campus of that camp Monday. And I was informed that he told them, he said, I'm going. But I don't want anybody to force anything on me. I don't want anybody to pressure me. I don't want anybody to pull me to the altar. And they informed me of this. I said, good thing, because I don't do that anyway. Right. <laughs> because if the Spirit of the Lord don't draw you, then it's right. none of the veil. Right. Monday night, I preached about God's looking for you. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody come up to him and said, get and talk to him. Counselor. And said, you feel like praying? He's like, oh, I don't know. He didn't have a clue what he got himself into that week. <laughs> I don't know. The counselor told him, said, I can pray for you, but it's your decision. It's your decision. Tuesday, preached. Little by little, I watched the Spirit of the Lord begin to break. What he didn't know, Connor, is every night, in those services, and they had day services as well with another pastor who preached during the day. I watched him edge closer and closer and closer to the edge. I said, he's going to fall right off of the edge, right into the presence of God. You say, what happened? I'm glad you asked. Thursday evening, the Spirit of the Lord dealt with me on Thursday evening and we preached about giants. The giants that young people face now in this society. I talked about how God can give us the power like David to cause our giants to fall. And Thursday evening, I watched him come to the altar. Nobody pressured him. Nobody told him he had to. And I watched him lift his hands. And I watched Sister Jessica, the presence of God, fall down and penetrate his heart. I did what I felt like I needed to do. And after church, he looked at me and had a big smile on his face. 
He said, you hear what happened to me? I said, what? He said, I opened the door. <laughs> I said, you did what? He said, I opened the door. He said, I got introduced to who God really was tonight. And I opened the door and I let God in. He said, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. I watched this young man. Amen. You can watch it on Facebook Live. I watched this young man stand in front. Amen. Of about 50 people. Friday night. And said I was hesitant. He said that my dad didn't want anything to do with me. My dad left me. Didn't want anything to do with me. I've been in stuff that I shouldn't do. I've done stuff that I shouldn't have done. He said I was hesitant. I didn't know about this God thing. I didn't know about coming to camp. But I'm so glad I made the decision. He said that when I opened the door and I let God in. Listen, he told me and he told Connor and he told those students. He said what you didn't know was I was coming to camp this week. And when I was going to go home, I was already convinced that since nobody wanted me, that I was going to end my life. I was going to, the spirit of suicide was trying to take it. He said, but when I let God in, he said, those dark clouds in my mind just rolled back. He said, the clouds got, amen, lighter. The sky got bluer. I got a joy that I never felt before. Friday night at the altar, I watched that young man shake under the power of the Holy Ghost as God brought deliverance to his soul. Can I tell you, that's why we got to still give God praise in the midnight season. Because God can do it. Why did you share that story? Because I watched. Monday night, there was just a handful of young people who was worshiping. Come Friday night, I watched over 30 young people raise their hands. And nobody had to prophesy. And nobody had to give a word of knowledge. And nobody had to force them to the altar. But they raised their hands and the presence of God filled that tabernacle. And I watched God break chains. They, amen. God delivered. Young ladies testified of being delivered from depression and self-harming and sin cycles. Let me tell you, that's what the presence of the Lord is able to do. So I said that to say this. You need to go home and praise Him. Because he can come into your house. And when he comes into your house, your lost family is in for it. Because nobody who truly encounters the presence of God can lead the same way. You say, well, they're more miserable. They're more hateful. It's because they're feeling conviction. The presence of the Lord is touching them. God loose them out of prison. But he also set the and I'm almost finished. And he also set everyone else free. Here's the thing. Connor talked about he makes a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you know that the same prison guard, he's afraid he's going to lose his job. Because he said, uh oh. Listen, all those prisoners were free and they didn't write. Now you know the presence of God had to be in there. <laughs> There wasn't a riot. There wasn't a demonstration. There wasn't violence. They just all sat still. And the prison guard realized, listen, when you praise God, he'll open doors that you can't open for yourself. They didn't, they didn't have the key to open up those prison doors, but God did. I said, God did. And those prison doors opened, and all the prisoners just stood in place. And that prison guard, that jailer came and said, uh-oh. 
I have now lost my job. I'm going to be, amen, I'm going to get a pinch slip. And Paul and Silas said, be not afraid. We're all still here. Yeah. Isn't that just like God? That same jailer who was in charge of scourging them, the same jailer that was in charge of beating them, the same person that afflicted pain was the same person that God used to bring healing. You get that revelation? The very man that was hired to bring pain to them was the very man that brought them out of prison, brought them into his house, and said to them, let me fix you something to eat. Read it at the end of the 16th chapter. Let me fix you something to eat. Let me take oil. Let me rub it on these wounds that I afflicted. Can I tell you that if you're praising at the midnight hour, he'll bring restoration. You say, well, my family's a mess. I've got family that won't even speak to me. But if you begin to give God praise, he'll cause those family that ain't spoken to you in years to come around and say, I'm sorry. I don't know who that's for, but take it. He can. He'll prepare a table before you. Listen, let me just say it like the one woman who needed groceries. And, and her neighbor was an atheist. And she would go out every day and say, I need groceries, Lord. I believe you're going to send it. And her neighbor said, I'm going to get her. He went Krogering. And he bought a bunch of groceries. And he put it on her porch. And then he went and rang her doorbell. And then he went back and hid in the bush. And then she got out and seen those groceries and said, Thank you, Jesus, for my bags from Kroger. He jumped out and said, Jesus didn't do that. I did. She looked at him and said, Thank you, Jesus, for giving me groceries and making and the devil pay for it. I'm here to tell you, God will even call. Listen, when the presence of God gets in your prison, he's going to make the devil pay. He's going to make the devil pay. Ooh, I can preach on that for a moment. It's payback time. I said it's payback time. But here's the thing. When the devil pays you back, he's got to pay interest. Which means when you get your joy back, you're going to get more than what he took. When you get your peace back, you're going to get more than what he took. When your family gets saved, they're going to be stronger in church than what they were before he pulled them out. Woo! Somebody say, preach on for five more minutes. Hallelujah. Woo, somebody said an hour. <laughs> no, I'll get you to the restaurant. I promise. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. And the Lord brought them out of their prison in that midnight hour. Look at somebody say, morning's coming. Morning's coming. You know what the word morning means in Hebrew? It means to break forth. It's a term that we use all the time in the full gospel world. It means breakthrough. Huh? Have you ever been sleeping so good and all of a sudden, light starts peeping through your blind, and it wakes you up. Yep. Rest assured, you have a rest assured that as night comes, that morning's going to come right behind that. You may be in the night season right now, but I've come to give you a word from the Lord that if you're in the night season, hold on, morning's on the way. You might be discouraged now, but hold on, encouragement's coming. You might be in pain right now, but hold on, healing's on the way. 
You might be in torment right now in your mind, but hold on. Peace is coming. You may be falling apart right now, but hold on. Amen. The glue that holds it all together is coming. He's going to put you back together. And when he restores you, it's going to be better than what it was before. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Silas. Give him a hand. Didn't they do great? Break through, break forth for the dawn. I'm here to tell somebody if you listen, here's, here, here, I said all that to say this. You've got a decision in your midnight hour. You can allow it to change you for the better. Pastor preached on it a few Thursday nights ago about the night seasons. You can allow it to change you for the better. Or you can allow it to take you out. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm not waiting just for him to do something. I'm not waiting on him. I'm waiting in him. Well, I think I will. Thank you, Sister Lori. I'm not waiting on him. I'm waiting in him. When you look at this word wait in Hebrew, it means to wrap up. It means to be twisted up. It means to be tied up. I'm not waiting on God to move. I'm waiting in God to move. And the night may seem long, but I've got a choice. I can either sit back and complain because I'm in that night season and ask Father to give me an understanding or I can choose to praise him despite of. And here's the thing. If I choose to praise him despite the night won't last so long. Midnight is an indication that you're halfway through. It means morning is just around the corner. Amen? On our clock, midnight is the start of a new day. Somebody take that. You may be in midnight, but that means something new is getting ready to happen over the horizon. Look at somebody, amen, real quickly and say, I don't just have an ordinary praise today. But I have a midnight praise. Amen. I'm going to ask them to come to the music real quickly. Come on, come to the music. I've got a midnight praise. I may feel like Paul and Silas. I may feel like I'm in my prison. But my prison ain't going to stop my praise. Ooh, I feel prison break in the Holy Ghost. Do you know Paul and Silas? They had jailhouse rock before Elvis did. And then Elvis turned around and said, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Hallelujah. I feel like Elvis this morning. God's about to bring a jailhouse rock. And there's a whole lot of shaking getting ready to go on. So God's getting ready to open up some doors. People's getting ready to walk out of their prisons And it's not the king of rock and roll that's going to bring it, but it's the king of all kings, Jesus. I'm going to make you turn Elvis song in your Spotify when you get home on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As they begin to, amen, get their selection this afternoon, I'm wondering today, I'm wondering today, Who's in your night season? Pastor was transparent in his message and said that he felt like he was in a night season. Can I tell you, he ain't the only one. 
I feel like my night has dragged on and on and on and on. You get a little bit, bit of glimpse of light once in a great while around the magic. But I feel like the night is just, you ever had a night that just seems so First and foremost, in this place, our main mission of why we do what we do, why we preach, why we declare, why we worship, why we sing, is for somebody to have the opportunity to find Jesus. In the midst of all of it, if we forget that there's folks who need Jesus, we've missed the mark, folks. Listen, I'm about as full gospel as they come. I'm emotional. I love it all. But I don't want to get so emotional on a spiritual high that I forget there might be somebody that needs to hear the good news of Jesus. And I believe that there's somebody today. You might be in your prison might be a prison of sin. You may not be right with the Lord. You're in a good place today. Among people who love you, who want to see God do great things in your life. You say to me, Brother Matt, what do you mean I need saved? What do you mean I need to be born again? What do you mean I need to find Jesus? If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You ask him to forgive you of your sins. He's just to save you and to make you a new creation in him. I think sometimes we need to get back to the basics. Back to the basics. That there is still salvation of the blood. That we still can have a born again experience. Hallelujah. How's your heart today? How's your heart today? Are you right with the Lord? With every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around for just a moment. 